Okay, everyone needs to sleep. But there comes a point in time when one simply must wake up. Welcome to a special edition of Madcap, dedicated to the memory and the family of Trayvon Martin. I'm Daniel Bloom. And I'm David Ross. There's a lot going into this show, including the debut of a new segment we're calling A Scotsman Reads, and a discussion of politics with Jared Rizzi. But we'll begin today with a roundtable discussion featuring myself, Dan, and my good friend, Michael Reed. A.K.A. Chops. You'll hear that conversation shortly, but we'll commence with a musical expression of grief and outrage by Prince George's County's finest, Raheem Devon. This is Trigaman, featuring Styles P, produced by Face and Rye. Uh, I think all of us have to do some soul-searching to figure out how does something like this happen. And that means that we examine uh, the laws and the context for what happened, uh, as well as the sp- uh, specifics of the incident. But my main message is, is uh, to the parents of uh, Trayvon Martin. You know, if I had a son, he'd look like Trayvon. Look like Trayvon. Look like Trayvon. Look like Trayvon. Oh, oh, oh. Man. 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 Stop the thing that I could have been a teacher, a preacher, a play power forward. That I could have been a surgeon, a father, a grandpa one day. But you, you're a dream killer, trigger man. Bang, bang. Monday after the weekend decision, innocent on manslaughter, innocent on second-degree murder, George Zimmerman. Not guilty. Not guilty. That's a good point. That There is a distinction there. Yeah, an intended distinction. A young man, Trayvon Martin, who is dead, and a nation who is either weirdly happy to see George Zimmerman go free or utterly disgusted 
by what some could characterize as a miscarriage of justice, but I would just call a straight-up tragedy. I mean, there's been a lot of people on social media, I called it True Colors Revelation Day, that people felt the need in some cases to jump out and say, hey, the system worked, there's a law, and there was a decision, and let's all just go home and be okay with it. And that is so far from the point and so far from an understanding of reality that it blows my mind. And I'm not alone in deciding that today was the day to defriend a bunch of people because a gross misunderstanding of reality and almost a willful disregard of other people's lives shouldn't be tolerated in terms of even like a casual social acquaintance. What were people saying that made you defriend them? Uh, One guy chose to say like am I right in all caps in thinking that we have laws in all caps and there was a verdict and am I a bad person for adhering to the rule of law and I'm like no but you're missing the point the point is and I watch it's funny I watched something on world star hip-hop I watched this old dude this old white dude going nuts about this one particular fact that I hadn't really thought too clearly about before. You're a neighborhood watch man. Watch being the key word. What the fuck are you doing with a gun in your hand? You're a crime watch. You're not a goddamn cop. You aren't supposed to really carry a gun. A gun! A goddamn gun! You are supposed to observe! Observe! Observe means you see something going on! You call the goddamn police! That is their fucking job! Not him! I'll ask you two gentlemen. If you're a neighborhood watchman and you see something that's out of the ordinary, what is it that you're supposed to do? Call real police. Call real police and let them handle it. That's why they have taken an oath and they have taken classes and they are armed by the state And we can say what we want about trusting or not trusting police, but that's their job. It's not your job to get out there and be a damn vigilante. I think you ever see the movie Observe and Report? No. (laughs) Did you ever see that with Seth Rogen? Basically, Seth Rogen, he's a security guard for the ball, wants to be a cop. You know what I'm saying? Wants to be, like, handling all sorts of police work that Ray Liotta, the cop, is like, what are you doing? Like, you know what I'm saying? And that's the way I looked at Zimmerman. From, like, the talking points they walked away with was, like, some movie stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like, these guys always get away. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's a movie line. So I don't know. He's not even a mall cop. <laughs> no, he isn't. He's not even, I would call him Paul Blart, but that's a disrespect to Paul Blart. He got, <laughs> apparently got denied up here. He had sought to be a cop several times. Didn't he have, a, like, another run-in? Like, a, didn't he have, like, an assault charge or something? Or am I wrong? I don't want to put it out into the atmosphere, but I did read something on World Star Hip Hop about another charge, which was very foul. We need I'm to not stop going, using this. I'm as not a- going to put it in the atmosphere because it was very bad, but I did read about it. World Star. Shout out to World Star for giving us the journalism that the Washington Post refuses to. You're not wrong. Everybody except for Clinton Yates. <laughs> oh, my God. Shout out to Clinton Yates. He's been doing a great job. You no, know Clinton? No. Nah. <laughs> we, we tweet back and forth occasionally. Nice. Oh, where are you? He loves Clinton Yates. Yeah, no, he's great. He's yeah. he's an important voice uh, in the city, and I'm happy that Washington Post actually hired him full time. I have another friend who I'm not going to defriend who I, because I actually like this guy, but he has chosen to be extremely vocal and critical on every social media channel of all the kind of messages of support and outrage that I'm putting out there. And I'm like, I told him, 
Get off your soapbox. Now is not the time. Like, you're making yourself look like a complete asshole right now to the entire world. Like, take a step back. Think about the context. Think about who actually lost a life and who gets to go free. And, like, even if you feel a certain way, now is not the time to get up on your soapbox and make yourself look like an asshole. And think about a, who his social network is because he lives locally. Yes, I know that. <laughs> There's too many colored folk to be doing that. Absolutely. Well, that's what's funny. You think about like, all right, so the jury exists, it consisted of how many? Six? Six women. Six women. All, six women it, was all, it was all women. It was six people. Since when is a jury only six? Whatever happened and, to 12 uh, angry and, men? And apparently in Florida, six uh, the for any case other than a capital case... Or in other very, very serious instances, it's always... Isn't this a um, capital six. case? No, it wasn't capital because it was only second-degree murder. What? what? But for, <laughs> if it had been for the first-degree murder or capital, it would have been 12 people on the jury. Well, I, I would at least say that I liked that our region had a pretty... I noticed that there was a lot of outrage from a lot of people, you know what I'm saying? Like, if if I feel like there's a trial up here, there's no way. First of all, you can't do – no way you can pull off six white women around here. They'd be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And even if there were six white women, two of them are going to be Jewish, and I can trust them. Thank like you. Know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, like, right. I can I can at least – I can breathe easy. They're going to – they're not going to let that, that verdict come well, through. Well, one of the things which, which surprised me was when the jury was pooled. One, I think everyone anticipated that there were going to be no black people in this jury. No matter what the prosecution tried to do, every single black face – that was coming through that jury pool was going to get pulled. There's a yeah. lot of black people There's in Florida. A lot of black folks. people in Florida. Not even a devil in a blue dress. And they were San, <laughs> Sanford, Florida is a is a has a large African American community. So I think it was very clear though that there was not going to be any chance any black people were going to make it through this case. <laughs> that being said, a lot of the court observers, so to speak, they were very the the ones who were supportive, so to speak, of Trayvon Martin were the ones who said that. Um, that were happy that there were six mothers who were on the jury. That's what they were like. Well, because of mother pride and and motherly instincts, that may be what brings it home for Trayvon Martin, and they may feel some sort of sympathy. I didn't necessarily always agree with that. But the though. problem is, who did they see as their son? Exactly. That was the key point. Yeah. Would George Zimmerman be their son, wow. or would Trayvon Martin be their son? All day, every day. Zimmerman. And how do they feel about guns? All day, I mean, every how, day. How you feel about gun rights heavily influences your thoughts about this case. I mean, I, I was uh, in a city nearby, this one that we're sitting in now, um, I was in downtown Rockville earlier today, <laughs> and I'll just call him out. And I saw a dude across the street, white guy, wearing an NRA t-shirt. And I was like, on this day, you're going to roll out? I, mean, I wanted to punch this dude in the face. I was like, you got a lot of nerve. But he probably was armed. <laughs> you should just hit him. You got, like, you, what message are you trying to send by putting on your NRA shirt and walking around on the Monday after the George Zimmerman not guilty verdict? That's like he sent it. Are you sure it wasn't an NWA shirt? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, NWA never had a lyric called Come my, From My Cold Dead Hands. I mean, that's a, that's a Charlton Heston lyric. <laughs> I was extra, I really, I was disgusted by that move. NWA was all about expressing yourself. Yes, they certainly were. So, I mean. The friend of mine, who I'm not going to defriend, he... Um, stuck on this one point. I had lauded communities of color out there who I observed New York, D.C., L.A., Philadelphia. I followed the news and I watched live streams. I was out there with my girlfriend in Philadelphia at the Philadelphia um, protest. And I thought it was extremely impressive that it was like, okay, there were some people out there who were worried about reactions of violence. But what happened was people got together, they talked about what had happened, and in the Philadelphia one, the first speaker who we saw was like, 
Okay, obviously this is a racial issue, but he was like, this is bigger than race. This is also about class. This is also about money. This is about education. This is about gun rights. There's a whole plethora of issues that this touches on, and it's not just black versus white. Like, there's a there's a much uh, deeper way to analyze this situation, and I feel like it was done in a really impressive and peaceful and creative, progressive way. To see the marchers through Times Square was so inspiring. People aren't complacent, and people also aren't going to jump to violence. They're going to go to this middle place where we can actually get things done. Absolutely. Well, I, th- I feel that there is a a myth out there about this unsophisticated black rage which permeates through every black person, just no matter what your background or your anything anything else in your life whether or not you're wealthy or whether or not what part of the country you're in or whether or not you're urban or rural or anything like that this is black rage that we can't garner up our feelings and our emotions enough that we can only express ourselves through violence and anger when things get very difficult and and they'll use examples of the LA riots in uh, 1991 or 1992 when that happened as a perfect example or or the riots in the 60s after Martin Luther King died that black people can't otherwise express themselves because things are so bad and that's just not true what we've seen now in the Trayvon Martin case or sorry, say the George Zimmerman case after after the verdict was unfavorable towards a lot of the Trayvon Martin supporters is that not that black people in particular can be thoughtful not can be are thoughtful about the news of the day about politics, about societal issues, and that all we want is a chance to be heard and to and for people to listen to us. Now, I think there's a key distinction in this instance where Trayvon Martin, after he was killed, the Sanford police had not arrested George Zimmerman for more than a month, I believe. They didn't hold him. They, they let him they, go. They, they let him go. The very they, night. They let him go that very night. They they and it seemed like the investigation was not progressing. And that was the original initial rage that the people showed at that time that justice was not being served because if that had been if the roles had been reversed Trayvon Martin if it had Trayvon Martin killed George Zimmerman Trayvon Martin would have been in jail that night until the investigation shone through if even that point he uh, he may not have ever gotten probably out of jail. would have been denied bail he would have been denied bail he would have been in jail the entire time and he would have, and he would have been a quick he would have been railroaded most likely that was the outrage that the black community showed at that time and then he went to and then he went to trial of course a lot of the Trayvon Martin supporters, again, expected due to the evidence that was shown and common sense, quite frankly, that George Zimmerman would have gone to jail. He did not go to jail, but at least he got a there was a trial. The trial, it wasn't a kangaroo court necessarily. I mean, we certainly have questions regarding whether or not the court, um, you know, the composition of the jury or, you know, the the slander of the defense attorneys hmm. or the witnesses, or the witnesses. Um, we can certainly have questions about that, but it was overall a fair trial. And black community can accept that. They can accept that the trial was fair and they didn't get railroaded in those regards. And that's why you didn't see throwing bricks through stores and setting things on fire or, or dragging a, uh, the, the first white person you saw out of a truck and um, beating them across the face with a brick. That's why you didn't see anything like that because, you know, we, we're not visceral like that. It's just when you look at the situ- when you compare the situation from the L.A. riots to today, we are far away societally. From those days and then today. Thinking about L.A. back in those days. This friend who will remain nameless was citing reports of rioting in Oakland. And I was like, 
you could understand if there's going to be like a flare up or two at some places in the country, especially a place that's been as economically depressed as Oakland and a place that has such traditionally terrible relations between, you know, races and cops and the black community as Oakland. I mean, Oakland has a problem with violence anyway. So it seems unfair to me to say, oh, look what they did. They rioted. Like, it's one city that's incredibly economically depressed and very violent anyway, and this was a spark. But it wasn't like the nation erupted in riots. I think that's a gross mischaracterization. And I think, to the contrary, the communities that came out, communities of color that came out to, sh- to show their solidarity and to have their voices heard deserve a lot of respect and a Absolutely. lot of and a lot of applause from all justice loving people. Absolutely, and it was a and this was a diverse array. Like you mentioned, this is a diverse array of protests against this uh, verdict. That's the key and the distinction in this instance, as opposed to the riots in L.A., which were seem to be one sided. Later this year, we are going to have an anniversary of the "I Have a Dream" speech on Washington on the Mall. And it's going to be massive. Absolutely. It was going to be big anyway, and now it's going to. People are not going to forget well, about. Well, between this. the Trayvon Martin um, verdict. Oh, sorry. sorry I, I, I hate. I hate that I'm, I'm mixing up the George Zimmerman verdict in the death of Trayvon Martin. It's the reason that you do it. That's that's, that's, how, that's, that's, how, we, that's how the media. That's, that's how the media portrayed it. Yeah. But not. But let's not only. Let's not forget that there was also the um, Voting Rights Act. Yes. Case that just came. That down. just came out. So. Um, a lot of organizers were already planning on this being that, that the Voting Rights Act was going to be what they were going to rally around. And that's not they haven't forgotten about that. But now the Trayvon Martin, um, his death is now a new rallying point on this as well. And there's also a film out called Fruitvale Station. Absolutely. About the murder of a young black teenager in, in Oakland. I mean, it's right there. And, you know, there have been reports of people coming out of that screening because it just opened in major cities, including New York. And they came out crying, and they came out to hear that verdict. It's sad, but this is a re- in a way, this this kind of violence was going to happen anyway. But for it to happen in a moment where people are willing to ha- come out into the streets and and show their solidarity and have their voices heard, it weirdly enough is an opportunity to try and move something forward and to not just sweep one or two incidents under the rug, but to say, we need to have a wider conversation about what this country stands for and what's really going on. It's important that we put to bed this notion of a post-racial America because we're doing it in this summer. It's unfortunate that it had to be the truth, but it was never the case that we were in a post-racial society. And now that is starkly clear to everyone who's paying attention. Uh, Post-racial term always, like gets me going because let's see uh i guess it's like a utopia i'm saying that we uh that we strive for i mean i guess damn i mean how good like how good do you think it's gonna get i mean like well nothing was post-racial until barack obama became president like we weren't even approaching post-racial then all of a sudden barack obama's president now like we were always on track for post-racial apparently right well there is something that's happening uh demographically which is white people are gonna be in the minority there's a projection. It's going to be like 2050 or something like that. That's right around the corner. Can you imagine? <laughs> can you imagine the white privilege is going to be out there when white people get to claim that they're the minority and they're oppressed? <laughs> I mean, that's going to be scary because there's a lot of heavily armed, very paranoid white people out there. Absolutely. And that's, I mean, that Zimmerman case, that scares me. Like, you don't know who's out there with a gun and who's out there with an agenda. That's frightening. And that that's a, there's another issue, which is gun control. That's one thing that Barack Obama was willing to come out there and say, because mm-hmm. he parsed his words when he came out with this statement. He parsed his words very carefully. 
he made sure to mention that we have our nation of laws and a jury brought down their decision and that we need to have peace and introspection and people are like okay say something say something like okay like you know we know you're the president but you got to say something but the issue that he's ready at least to go to the, to the mat for is gun control because that's one on his agenda anyway and this is a part of this conversation should George Zimmerman have been able to have that gun on him I guess in some level it's a state's rights issue so that also means do we find a way to get back at Florida not with violence, but I thought this was ingenious. I had not thought about this before. And when I went out to that Philadelphia protest in Love Park, there was a sign up that said, Boycott Florida Orange Juice. <laughs> the guy was like, Stop drinking orange juice. <laughs> I was like, That is brilliant. <laughs> Get him where it hurts. I mean, the Spanish are not well known for their race relations either, but people are going to be buying cartons of those, uh, what are those little oranges? Yeah. oranges. Clementines. Clementines. That and stop going to Hooters. Is that a Florida company? (laughs) Tampa, baby. People need to do that anyway. (laughs) Give up Hooters. Give up Hulk Hogan. (laughs) That's an easy one. It's not 1986. (laughs) There's a lot of Florida we can do. No, but really, like, that that matters. I mean... I ain't sipping it anyway. I mean... If the Florida... (laughs) If if there's a way to send a message to... I don't want to hurt Floridians, but, like... Simple Orange isn't from Florida, is it? Say again? Simple Orange. Simply Orange? Simply Orange isn't from Florida, is it? Because I got beef. If it is, I mean, I got to still sip it. You got a problem? (laughs) Yeah. I'm still drinking. We're going to find somewhere else. Orange and mango, that is crack right there. (laughs) (laughs) Simply orange with mango. We're going to find, check us out on madcapdc.org. We're going to provide other sources for good good sources for vitamin C. Another way the government was after us with that orange and mango, man. (laughs) Just trying to to just get us, him us up. You think that's a valid response? Should we find a way to boycott floor? I mean, Sarah said, all right, that's it. Ultra's out next year. Ultra's out. (laughs) I'm not going to Miami. No, no more Miami. There are other places to go. (laughs) Is that valid? I mean, yeah. I mean, it. it, it there. there are, I think there are other uh, more advanced forms of change. Uh, I think. I think. I mean, for those who are buying Florida, I don't. I don't know that how much that big that population is. So I guess like yeah, boycott. it's huge. But like that's their number one most uh, well known export, Florida orange juice. So the oranges is just like, all right, all right. Playing devil's advocate, it's not that I have a a philosophical difference with this. But to play devil's advocate, now this is a the reaction to a jury trial. Now a jury found George Zimmerman not guilty, very possibly based on the, the strict letter of the law. And you can make very reasonable arguments that the law, that the prosecution did not prove their case, and therefore George Zimmerman had a right to go free. You can make that argument reasonably. I don't, I, I don't agree with that, but I think reasonable people and legal folks can make that argument. I don't know whether or not we set the right precedent by reacting that if a jury does not find someone guilty or not guilty based on our own personal opinions, that we're going to then take economic action against a state. Now, if this had been a matter of whether or not, now if we're if we're acting because based on the inaction of the San or the in, or the inappropriate action of the Sanford Police Department or the state of Florida in terms of not prosecute if they had not prosecuted George Zimmerman for Trayvon Martin's death initially, then I think that would be a different case in terms of we are then showing our disgust with the state on that. Well, my quarrel is with the law Mm -hmm. because I agree that it's very possible that the prosecution was unable to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that given the laws as they stand, George Zimmerman was a guilty man and should be locked up. That's fair. So the way to 
hit Florida, and the reason to hit Florida is because of the law. Absolutely. And the law is changeable. The legislature is in place to set laws which are coherent with the desires of the populace. And, that, and so that will be important to distinguish in any sort of boycott against Florida. That's simply not boycotting Florida because the jury came back with a verdict which we disagree with. It's simply that boycotting Florida or taking economic sanction against Florida simply because the laws in Florida are inequitable or the laws in Florida are inappropriate and they, they need to be changed. And that is what, and then that will be when the boycott ends, when those laws will change. So what is the... Uh What's the Justice Department doing? Like, what is their, what are they, they're up to some sort of investigation? The Justice Department, from what I understand, uh, is investigating whether or not Trayvon Martin's civil rights were violated when George Zimmerman um, stalked and, 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 and shooting, shooting him. Confronted. Confronting, stalked, confronted, and shot Trayvon Martin. So the Justice Department is, is investigating that based on Trayvon Martin's civil rights, hate crime legislation, or hate crime statutes that currently exist, whether or not those were violated. Very interesting that at this point in history, we do have a black president and we do have a black attorney general. I hope that that will make a difference. And I'm not sure that it will, given the track record of these two individuals. Also very interesting, the man that called for a investigation, Reverend Jesse Jackson, should focus his attention on his son's trial. You know what I'm saying? Which well, is coming up. You know, I mean, he's he 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 plays an important role, and he should have a, a voice. In <laughs> he this came discussion. out of the dark. I haven't, haven't heard from Jesse in a long time. I'm like, where are you? He cu- he couldn't sit back on this one. Paying off Mayo Clinic bills. Rainbow push. <laughs> Rainbow push was ready to push on yeah, this one. Yeah, Rainbow shove. Yeah, Jeez. exactly. I just have to say um, that I'm extremely encouraged, and I'm extremely motivated to do something as a justice-loving person, as a white person, because the privilege that we are allowed in this country as opposed to people of color is bullshit, and as a Jew, because uh, Jewish people have been traditionally marginalized in societies around the world, and I think we have a special responsibility to stand up for those who are not given a fair shake. I was going to say that my my dad brought this up to me in that from a previous conversation he had, I guess like yesterday at like a barbecue or something like that, that uh, black people like especially black men need to do more within our own community and like actually every single black male that has the resources to should have some positive effect on other African Americans, you know what I'm saying? Because because yeah, this 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 other shit is 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 grimy, you know what I'm saying? But we still got a lot of crap going on within our own community. So it's like we can't let that escape. So do you disagree? I, no, mean, I, I certainly do agree. And, and actually there's one glaring area where in terms of like black teachers, for example. Oh. Black male teachers. Oh my say. god. It's like you can't find them. You can't find them. They're they're ex- they're non existent. <laughs> okay. In white areas, black areas, it doesn't matter. Exactly. You'll never like <laughs> finding a black male teacher is one of the hardest things you'll do. And that's like a joke about like, you know what I'm saying, like anytime I'm in heavily crimed areas or stuff like that about like I guess some sort of distance between me and some of the individuals there or and and I feel like that's a gap I wish to close a bit more you know what I'm saying like I don't like it I don't like I don't like the I don't like the social distance there like I that, that, like he, he mentioned that to me because my dad's he's always always into like trying to be a philanthropist that's, that's his thing you know what I'm saying like especially for the DC youth you know what I'm saying and I'm just like I can't like there's, I see black men wandering around without the same resources that I have. You know what I'm saying, and I'm like, 
I can't just turn an eye. You know what I'm saying? Or a blind eye to this. I'm just like, there's just so many ways for me. And I know this, this, I feel like I sound like a, a fucking white kid who just joined Teach for America or some shit like that. Like, you know what I'm saying? That's the way I feel. Sorry for all the white friends I have that did Teach for America. Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You make me whole, I make you whole. Because I've got scars, they've got scars. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's like we can talk this through. We can talk this through. It ain't got to be like this. Ain't got to be as evil and depressed as, as it can be. So, yeah. Those are my thoughts. Closing arguments? I, I have no closing arguments, but I, I do appreciate um, you all allowing me to be here. <laughs> so Thanks for being here. To, to uh, wax poetic. <laughs> that was very nice and kind, Michael. So thank you. Our power, as limited as it is at this point, or our talents, whatever they may be, are about storytelling, independent media, communication. We need to start the Madcap Youth Project, straight up. That was my first thought when mic I mic them up. No, give them the mics. That's what I meant. That's what I meant. Give I meant. them not just mic them up. Give them the mics. Help them write. Find out a way to help them express themselves and let them become the journalists and the storytellers in their own communities. Nobody's more nobody's funnier than a kid that just does not care. Well, that, and that goes back to one of the points I made earlier in terms of um, I, where there's this myth about. Um, you know, un- unsophistication in the black community. I think there's another pervasive myth which is related, which is the unsophistication of youth generally, but particularly African American youth. They don't have fluid thoughts. That they're not very intelligent. That's not the case. You know, no. you spend if you spend any time with young people, you start to realize that they're much smarter. They're much more mature than we give them credit for, and they and they and they go through a lot more things than we than we acknowledge. And that they, if you give them a platform, like you're saying, to um, express themselves, you'll come up with incredibly sophisticated thoughts and, um, and you'll probably end up learning something too. Thank you, Michael Reed, for joining this conversation and to all the progressive people who responded to this tragedy with grace and positivity. That includes the legendary reggae band Steel Pulse. This is... Put Your Hoodies On for Trayvon, written by David Dred Hines. Coming up, we'll splash some political awareness in your face with a good friend of the show, reporter Jared Rizzi. But first, a brand new segment for our high-minded and literary listeners. A Scotsman Reads with Angus Sutherland. This is This Be the Verse by Philip Larkin. They fuck you up, your mum and dad. They may not mean to, but they do. They fill you with the faults they had and add some extra just for you. But they were fucked up in their turn by fools in old-style hats and coats who half the time were soppy stern and half at one another's throats. Man hands on misery to man, it deepens like a coastal shelf. 
get out as early as you can and don't have any kids yourself. Thank you, Angus Sutherland. You can find him on Twitter at Special. That's short for Special Relationship. His tagline is Delighting in the cultural chasm betwixt the UK and the US. An essential part of waking up is opening your eyes. And part of our response to Trayvon Martin's death is a commitment to political awareness. And to that end, we present a chat with a dear friend of the show, intrepid Washington reporter, Jared Rizzi. We asked Jared to drop some knowledge on us regarding the recent news of domestic spying Say what? and the IRS scandal. Say what? This conversation took place well before the Zimmerman verdict. And since we spoke, whistleblower Edward Snowden has fled to Russia, where he remains in search of political asylum. This has been discussed by several Latin American leaders, but Snowden is still iced in at Moscow's main airport. Whose world is this? It's yours. This is Madcap. I'm David Ross. I'm Daniel Bloom. And this is our lovely friend of the show. Goes by the name of Jared Rizzi. That's at Jared Rizzi, R-I-Z-Z-I, on Twitter. Jared, speak to the people. Whose world is this? Hello. Nice to have you back. Thanks, guys. Last time we spoke, <laughs> I'm sorry there was so there was so much formality there. I was waiting to be introduced. Well, I wanted some formality. You know, we're I, doing we're doing something here. We're not just, just screwing around. I'm sorry. No, you're perfect. Uh, <laughs> last time we spoke to you was before the election. Yes. President Barack Obama has been inaugurated. He has in his second term. It is turning into a shit show. Is it not? It is. There is th- so okay. I would like to say first of all that you promised I would be back no matter who was inaugurated no matter who was reelected or, or elected. I think it was probably said reelected though because we all know that yeah. David didn't really, you know, there was no there was no chance. I mean, so we're here. The second term curse is in effect. There, Very much so. There are a, a plethora of scandals and I, I should say controversies because we don't know if they're scandals yet. But there are a lot of things beleaguering the White House, keeping the message from getting out. And and frankly, it has made my day to day at the White House a lot more interesting in the last couple of weeks. Indeed. And it seems as though if the Obama administration had their way, they'd be focusing on things like immigration reform, something that would be a wedge issue maybe for the Republicans. Gun control. Gun control. There's a lot of issues that they would like to play right now. But instead, what we've been talking about is drones, Benghazi, and now uh, domestic spying is back in our not, world. Not to mention the IRS, not to mention yes, and the IRS. reporters, not to mention... I mean, this is the gang that can't shoot straight because they just can't seem to get on message and can't get past what's happening here. And all these scandals kind of weave together in a weird way. And if you were on, like, a Glenn Beck mailing list that said what was going to happen if Obama got reelected, it's all happening. Like, this is what this is what we warned you about, you know? And it's just crazy to think that people are spying on you and like the, the most paranoid and crazy people were the ones who actually had it right and that's that's a frightening day in my world <laughs> so so you're on Glenn Beck's mailing list no no not anymore but I used to be you know just 
research purposes only. How often does he uh, send out his? Uh... I don't know anymore. It could, <laughs> be, it could you know, the, the Blaze people are good people, but I, I just don't know how how uh, how often those emails go out. Of all these scandals, I do know that if you get something with like a, a waving eagle gif, like you need to gif? ignore that, uh, or or gif. gif. Eagle can be either either a gif or a gif. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Um, you need to delete that email immediately. <laughs> I'll get rid you, of it. You should. So, which out of all the scandals, which one do you find to be the sauciest? Controversies. <laughs> Controversies. I honestly think that the IRS is—it's probably the worst for the administration, and we've already seen that that's taken place. And the fact that there have actually been people that have resigned, and the reason they've resigned is directly because of what's happened. There are ongoing investigations that are revealing the size and scope of it. I think the other thing, I just can't even imagine how big this is, but the NSA and PRISM issue, it's not even really a controversy because the White House has basically said, yep, we're doing this. It's not a controversy except for the fact that there's a growing number of people who seem to be pretty upset about it. And then there's a huge number of people, and I don't know where you guys fall on this, but who are just like, yep, yeah, I'm fine with that. Like, yeah, they're probably preventing a lot of bad shit from happening so whatever for the record i am not fine with it you're not fine i am not fine with it and part of the reason i'm not fine with it is because it is um hypocritical of our country to have laws that are being openly broken for whatever reasons in front of the faces of the people in in this country and if if, if we're going to make that compromise privacy for quote-unquote safety or security let's codify it let's put it on the books and let's let's actually have a, a national debate about this rather than doing it in secret but what if there are no laws that have been broken because it looks more and more like they have pretty much covered their tracks that everything that's been done has been completely legal the only person who's broken any laws is edward snowden and you know if the fisa court has approved and maybe that is just a rubber stamp court but that's what's Incredible to me is that the president literally and and the NSA and everyone involved didn't have to break any laws to do all this stuff. That basically all of our records are being kept in a giant computer in Utah, and that's not a problem. Isn't this a Fourth Amendment issue? I mean, right to privacy. Why do we have the Bill of Rights if we're going to trample all over it in this way? But we have essentially, in the last twelve years, whittled down the Fourth Amendment into something that is not even recognizable. Now, look, I'm completely offended by this, but I was having, you know, I'll have private conversations with people all the time, and it is insane to me the number of people who are not upset about this. I'm really upset about it, and I'm glad that you're upset about it because now I don't feel like the dick in the room who's angry, and you're just like, well, I don't know why you're so angry, Jared. Like, completely normal. But, like, I was having a conversation. We were talking about the fact that a Pew report came out uh, this week that said that if you're a Democrat and the president's a Democrat, you're fine with surveillance. If you're a Republican and the president's a Republican, you're You're fine fine with with surveillance. surveillance. Mm -hmm. And if it's the other way around, you're like, no, no, like, I'm so offended. And for me, I'm amazed at the fact that, A, the country can be so hypocritical that we can live with that hypocrisy. And actually, even before the hypocrisy, I'm, I'm mad that we're so dumb that we think that the political party of of one person in power and the administration that supports him or her has that much effect and like that is the 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 lever upon which all these other rights is like that really bothers me that we're that stupid as a population but then i get to the point where you're coming from where you and i are the same age we were college freshmen when 911 happened yes so i always go back to that and i'm thinking to myself 
there is a bubble of the population that is more paranoid and will be more paranoid, and it's our age cohort for the rest of our lives. Absolutely. Because of 9-11. Yes. And that's always going to happen. But then I think about the fact that, yeah, the Fourth Amendment is completely unrecognizable. And here's the thing. The metadata argument, people are like, oh, it's just metadata. You know, they're not even really listening. I'm like, that's worse because metadata, it sounds like it's nothing. It sounds like, oh, they're not listening to me talk to my girlfriends, so what? who cares? But actually, it's worse because they're basically saying metadata, the whole reason metadata works, it's premised on guilt by association. Mm. So if you're the dry cleaner or the babysitter or the friend who doesn't know that Bill's a terrorist and you happen to be calling him once a week, uh, then they get the warrant to go in and actually listen to your stuff. And then they're like, oh, and how far away are we from a situation where somebody's infidelity or sexual orientation or debt becomes something that someone leaks and that's inappropriate and then then we're in real trouble. That, that's like the, the, the world that I'm so afraid of. My question is, did this really surprise you? It didn't... You know when you can be shocked but not surprised? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm shocked but not surprised. I'm also, I think the scope of it is bigger than I thought it was. Like, I just didn't think that there were these giant data centers and wide-sweeping things over everybody. I had a conversation with a friend the other day, and she said, I'm glad it's not just Muslims, because she's Muslim. And she was, like, laughing about it. She's like, I'm so happy that it's not just us right. that are being spied on. And I'm like, okay, that's funny. But, like... <laughs> And I think maybe the flip side is true. Maybe all of us were like, well, at least I'm not the one getting the extra pat down in the airport. Of course, Mr. Ross has never had that. You know, I'm sure that they stop you. And, and I used to have long hair and look like a total oh, hippie. And I, oh, I got singled out for extra screening 100% of the time when I looked like that. Well, and I, even now, I would imagine. That's yeah, sure. Probably... Well, if you talk to me for five minutes, you'll yeah. auto-screen. <laughs> like, okay, let's right. put him through again. <laughs> make sure make sure we know if there's... <laughs> He's having a little too much fun. <laughs> make him take the train. <laughs> Amtrak's got a new customer in you, sir. Yeah, right. Um, no, but, you know, I, so I get to the point now where I just... I'm not surprised to answer the question, but I'm I'm shocked and I am surprised at the the scope of it. That's the one thing. Like I just didn't think it was everybody at all times for all reasons for all purposes every communication. That's what it seems like. How effective is public outrage at this point? Do you, does, does, <laughs> does 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 it I mean, do, I mean And well, is the public outrage? Well, what we just well we just talked about how we don't think the public is outraged as much as they should be. But I'm trying to figure out even if they were, what would what would come of it? Well, we are officially the, the worst generation at protesting ever. I mean, that is that is obvious. Like, we are just so terrible at making public outrage heard. If I, I may. Uh, food trucks. That's, <laughs> what, that's what we care about. <laughs> well, like, hashtags on Facebook. Oh, <laughs> damn it. Well, are we like, talking about this global generation? Stand on the right. Or this like, generation <laughs> of Americans? Because this global generation, if you looked at the Turks, oh, no, 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 look no, at the Turks no, right no. now, they are proving you're no, wrong. No, I'm talking about Americans, okay. which we suck for a lot of reasons, but like, Especially our protests. Well, for Bush's, let me just say that for Bush's second inauguration, it was the first time in history that a protest group had ever been granted space along the inauguration parade route. I really appreciated that. I did attend that protest. Uh, I was very freaked out. Oddly, this relates to our conversation because there were two white vans that were sent down the parade route with high definition cameras that took everyone's picture. That's awesome. That was the scariest thing I saw all day. There was a cavalcade of military equipment and troops and cannons and bombs, and the cameras were the scariest but thing see, I saw But see, why day. are you scared by that? Because people want to be safe. 
they want to be safe. But then when stuff like that happens, they're like, whoa, whoa. Because I don't believe the people taking those pictures are trying to keep me safe as a protester. I think they're trying to single me out and make sure that I'm... Well, you know, and now we just found out that, the line. that somebody who was uh, somebody who signed the petition to recall Scott Walker in Wisconsin, he, he's no longer getting a job with the governor's office. I, I don't know if it's an internship or a job, but you think about these things, and it's like, okay, you signed a public petition, then you ask the guy for a job, you're probably pretty dumb to begin with. Like that's a bad idea. But if your picture and you know you, now your picture is in some database somewhere Absolutely. in Utah, and right. they're looking at it and they're like, "Wow, that's a that's a handsome fellow." <laughs> and, I like the cut of his jib. Uh, like, <laughs> <laughs> he can really hold a sign that's got a bush with a line through it. Nope, you know, no sign. There was no sign. Nope. You nope. weren't like hiding behind it when the cameras went by. Like, you can see it. That would have been smart. That would have been so smart. Very very smart. Would have been or a mask. So had Ross's face as a man. <laughs> <laughs> David Ross, not Ross Geller from Friends. No, either that one. That would have been good as well. Either one. Big shout out, David either, Schwimmer. Either one. You would have been unrecognizable. <laughs> so I want to ask you one more thing, Jared. Um, of course, we're going to return to this issue because I'm going to ask you about something that's related. Without getting into too much detail about it, there were some staffing changes here at your place of employment, POTUS, that allowed you to be able to get back into the fray and go attend a lot more White House briefings. Yeah. And you've been able to mix it up with White House, <laughs> Jared is now punching the air, airboxing, mix it up as he does when he speaks with White House spokesman Jay Carney. Yeah, yeah Jared. Jay, earlier uh, you said that you know, the service members who are in Afghanistan, the, the, the conflict there is, is simpler because of the, the Obama administration. Do drone strikes make it less simple to the American people to understand when these are secret and often done without really yeah, understanding. Yeah, Jared, you're trying to get me to, to talk about things that I can't talk in, uh, about from the podium, but I will simply say that the American people very much support the idea that our efforts in Afghanistan, efforts that put the lives of American men and women in uniform at risk, as well as the lives of our civilian personnel in Afghanistan at risk, uh, should be focused primarily on disrupting, dismantling, and defeating al-Qaeda. That is the Do you have a good relationship with Jay Carney? I have a very good relationship with, with Jay and I have first a name basis. I have a good relationship JC. The entire press staff is, you know, they, they will say that they're there for us and that is often true. They can only give us so much and they will only they will definitely treat you the size of your outlet, so to speak. So the New York Times is getting different a different tier of access. They are getting the first class 60 Minutes is getting, you know, th th there's a different... But I will say that Jay has been fantastic to me personally. However, there have been a couple issues lately that have really, like, I've tried intentionally to skirt the line of what I know they don't want to be asked about. And that's your job. That is my job. You're because, a journalist. Because if you're, not a if you're not asking questions that they don't want to answer, you're in PR. Exactly. So I just, and right now, only Jay's in PR. I would like to not be in PR. And... So the, I've talked a lot about drones in the briefing room, and I've talked a lot about, you know, most recently... I don't have any more information for you! The NSA, yeah. That was that's, very interesting to watch that somewhat testy exchange. But if he is going back at you that hard, it means you're doing the right thing. I'm hoping. Here's what I'm... I mean, look, I don't want to pretend to be some amazing, you know, knight in shining armor here, but I think that, especially on the drone issue, which is the... The uh, in particular, the one that has gotten under the skin the most, that should be a question that's asked every single day, and it's not. And when it comes to either civilian contractors who are listening, like Edward Snowden, or fighting for us, like like they are in 
every war theater we have right now, mm-hmm. or whether it becomes drones, people who are not soldiers and don't swear. They the the White House wants to emphasize that they swear an oath. They don't swear the same oath to uphold and defend the Constitution of the United States. It's not the same. It's it's not the same as working directly under the president or working directly under a general or under you know you're not. In it's that accountability. Same. So non-soldiers are doing a hell of a lot more of the killing and spying for this country, and I think that's that's a huge issue, and it should be brought up every single day. And if I get a chance to do that, and SiriusXM thinks I'm doing a good job, then that's all I can hope for. What other journalists are asking these type of questions in this room? I mean, everybody's asking some questions, but mm-hmm. drones in particular are not getting... They got a lot of talk around the National Defense University speech, mm-hmm. because the president spent a decent chunk of time talking about that but then just the other day i asked jay why contractors weren't mentioned in the national defense university speech because obviously contractors especially ones that happen to do a lot of the spying on us right now that's in the news lately and the president was supposed to mention them in his comprehensive discussion of how we're fighting terrorism but in 60 minutes of talking neglected to mention the fact that 500,000 people who are civilians have they have the ability to see classified documents that's that's a lot of dudes and ladies like it's just a lot (laughs) and it matters a great deal maybe not to the general american populace but if your village somewhere is getting bombed by a drone i mean that is the number one issue and that's happening in a lot of different places in this world under the auspices of our government by people who basically are mercenaries well yeah if they're not swearing the same oath and they're not flying the flag of the united states of america what are they but well, they're merc- beholden to shareholders, first of all. Right. I mean, they're high-tech mercenaries. And what bothers me, that With- e- even if you're not in some village that's getting bombed, even if you're in Sheboygan, like, there's got to be a part of you that is upset about the changing way that we're fighting wars and spying on people, both in and outside this country. It's changing. It's changing more than you know. It's changing faster than you know. And if that doesn't bother you just a, a little bit, then are are you really awake? Because, you know, we're going to be... The next war that we fight is going to look drastically different from anything that we've seen before, but the generals who are old and, and keep fighting the last war are still going to try to do it their way, and the, and the people who have become more and more complacent are going to care less and less, and so when you get to the point of, if you don't even care, if you sitting in your house don't care, then, then nothing's going to stop this country from looking drastically different, and then you know the Fourth Amendment's not going to be the only one that gets trampled all over. In a way, it seems to me that we are we are needing two levels of additional engagement from the public. One is to get involved politically at all. And two is, if you're going to be involved politically, to try and supersede your existence as a member of a party and to see oneself as yeah. a citizen. Because as you said, it's not enough to just support your guy because for the liberals who were up in arms about the surveillance under George Bush, it's the same deal. It's, if it's you actually ups- bigger now. It's, it's worse. <laughs> it's, 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 it's gotten worse. And it, it, it's inevitable if we're not going to hold our public officials accountable. Accountability is the key word here. Just because he has a D next to his name does not mean he shouldn't be held accountable. Now, to be fair to, or the, an pre- R. Now, to, to, be fair to the president, you know, he has said, uh, President Obama has said and, and his spokesman has said that he has instituted a lot more protections over the, the spying regime that came from the Bush administration. Poppycock. Well, I, I actually, no, I, I believe that that is true. I think that there are probably more protections now than there were then, but there's no reason to believe that those are going to stay. There's no reason to believe that that doesn't still mean it, it it's a terrible infringement upon our privacy. 
it doesn't make it better. You can't just. But here's the thing. You said you said political involvement and party affiliation. I also think that before either of those two, it's just the 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 absolute need to try to be at least to give a shit a tiny bit and give a little bit of information into your body because some people just don't they just don't know and and maybe this issue has cracked the surface a little bit because it's it's pumping through and actually making it to people but these other stories these other controversies i mean that's reason to be upset if tea partiers are genuinely being targeted for their political beliefs that goes against everything we stand for and it will cut both ways eventually. And it, and it has to. It absolutely has to. You you talk about being scared of cameras. I, I can think of no department of the government that people are more afraid of on a regular basis than the IRS. And if that's true, and if they are actually targeting people, again, there goes the, the worst fears of most people. And again, yeah, it's going to cut both ways politically. So no matter which controversy you're talking about, if people aren't informed, they're going to they're gonna get caught and they're not going to know to be outraged. That's the real worst part for me. Yo, man, it's a lot of brothers out there flaking and perpetrating, but scared to kick reality. Man, you've been doing all this dope producing. You ain't had a chance to show them what time it is. So what you want me to do? Do. Special thanks to Jared Rizzi for being a real journalist, to Michael Reed for blessing us with his perspective, to Angus Sutherland for that world-class reading, and for the music of Bone Thugs and Harmony, Raheem Devon, Styles P, Face and Rye, Steel Pulse, Nas, DJ Premier, NWA, Dr. Dre, and Charles Wright and the Watts 103rd Street Rhythm Band. To get in touch with Madcap, to find links to the contributors of today's show, or to send us ideas for collaboration, visit madcapdc.org. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at MadcapDC, or you can email us, MadcapDC at gmail.com. Thumb drop science, well I'm dropping English, even if yella makes it a cappella. I still express yo, I don't smoke weed or sex, cause it's known to give a brother brain damage. And brain damage on the mic don't manage nothing but making a sucker in you equal. Don't be another sequel. It's not what you look like when you're doing what you're doing. It's what you're doing when you're doing what you look like you're doing. Express yourself. Madcap is produced by David Ross. Express yourself. Daniel Bloom and Afim Shapiro. Yeah.